Hey everyone, welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast, or OFD Podcast as we're calling it now. I am your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith for all those involved and in a fired up mood tonight. Uh, and with me as always is Jude Seymour, Editor here at One Foot Down. Jude, we're fired up, aren't we? You you are very fired up. I'm, I'm just hoping spent, to reach your level of spiciness tonight. We just spent 35 minutes like pre-gaming here, going through an outline, and like we we're ready to bust through the internet and just take bats of things. Uh, and I don't even know if we're going to talk about any of the stuff we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> but we are feeling very spicy tonight. It's Lent. I'm not supposed to be getting so angry, uh, but um, here we are. So, all right, we're just going to get this show rolling because we're, Jude and I are pretty much on a roll right now. Um, But I guess first things first, uh, basketball season officially comes to an end today. Uh, Notre Dame lost to Louisville in blowout fashion in the ACC tournament after a a pretty dismal performance shooting-wise as what, uh, what has been the MO for all season. And... I guess really just real quickly, I just want to say it's okay. Look, it, it was a shit season. Absolute. From, I think we should have all known better with, with the loss to Radford and the way we pretty much canned it against Oklahoma and against U- UCLA. And that was all pre-ACC play. And when you're with the premier conference in college basketball, you're going to have a tough time playing. And Notre Dame did exactly that. Look, they've been – injuries have not been kind to us this year, just as they were last year. Uh, and plus, you know, a transfer of a captain beginning of the season. There's been some real adversity on this team, having to play all these freshmen. Hell, we were starting a freshman beginning of the year, and the, and the one freshman that we were at, we were starting is one that gets injured for the rest of the season. So there is a whole lot of no good that went into this. But there is still a ton of things to look forward to for next season. Number one on the top of my list is Mike Bray. I mean, let's not pretend that we haven't been in this situation before. Look, we're just not the, that program that's going to be every year, year in and year out, like a Sweet 16 Elite Eight program. I wish we were, would be, but it's just, not, it's just not how it works out. But we've been fairly consistent throughout these years with some big ups. And I think with Mike Bray, we're we have one of the better coaches in the business, the guy who gets Notre Dame, wants to be there, and does a really good job with the material that he has. And I just think with everything that's in place, this whole team is coming back next season, guys. There's, and that, you know, that was part of the problem this year. There was no s- senior class, really. Um, you know, and that's, that was one of the – it's just an anomaly during the Mike Bray era. He gets old and stay old, right? That's that's the thing. This year was just it's going to happen in twenty years. You know, it's it's gonna, you're going to have one of those years. This just so happened to be that year. And when you go through a conference schedule, I mean, the only teams that we beat in the ACC at all were BC twice and Georgia Tech twice. You know, and I'm not sure where Pittsburgh's doing right now, but you lose to the worst team in the ACC. And right now, or last time I checked, they were beating Syracuse in the ACC tournament. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a tough conference. But there is plenty of hope for next season. Uh, anybody that says that this is a, a much harder fix, uh, much more difficult fix than what anyone else is saying, they're full of it. They're full of shit. And, but on the flip side, maybe they're right, because we're not doctors. You know, Mike Bray does not have... You know, he's not a medical doctor where he might have a doctorate from somewhere, but he's not a medical doctor. He's not going to be able to stop injuries from happening. And even a doctor cannot stop injuries from fucking happening. So it was just a giant mess. It will more or less be corrected just by healing. And I think Notre Dame's going to have a stronger team next year because of it. There is a solid core of guys here. John Mooney, you know, just that name alone is reason to smile. I think Jawan Durham is severely underrated. Um, and every, the minutes that he gets, he's very productive. So, and then you throw in all these freshmen that have got all these minutes. They weren't the Fab Five, okay? They weren't recruited, you know, as the top 10 players. This is, but this is one of the better recruiting classes 
Bray has had. They've all played. So, I mean, even Doherty played this year. You know, Doherty got, got some minutes, and this was supposed to be a redshirt year for sure, but because of injuries. So that's really all I want to say about Notre Dame basketball right now. You know, my hat's off to them for, for putting in the work and getting through the season. It's the grind, man. And once things go bad, you know, I watched it like, you know, during football in 2007, you know, in 2016, and you're looking at these guys, you know, and you're seeing them after the game. This is a grind. It's a grind when you're losing. Everything sucks. Everything hurts more. Everything, everything gets worse, easier. And they made it through the season, you know, so hats off to them. Get better, get healthier. And I think we're going to see a much better product, much more of a Mike Bray product next season. And that's it. I, 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 have, more, I have more hope because, like, th- there's nothing glaring outside of injuries and youth. So get better, get older. And that's, an, that's much easier to do than just having – you know, a group of shitty players, which they don't. I just uh, want to ask you, I just want to ask you one question. Sure. Um, everyone is saying, and I think this is pretty consistent across the board, that this is an anomaly season, that you don't expect it to be this way next year. Um, well, what if it is? You know, Brian <laughs> Kelly, uh, I believe you were a part of the, the group of people calling for his ouster at the end of 2016. He had... You know, I I know he had a lot of middling years that maybe Bray didn't have. Is that the difference here? Why why does Bray get a pass for right. uh, extremely underwhelming season and and have an optimistic future when I don't feel like you felt that way at the end of the 2016 football season? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and and uh, I'm going to give you an answer that 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 probably won't be the nicest answer, um, but it's because fair or unfair. Notre Dame football and Notre Dame basketball are on two different levels of existence. And there's just a higher standard set for Notre Dame football than there is for Notre Dame basketball. And that's basically it. Uh, I mean, that, and I, I, I really don't know what else to say other than that's, that's why. Um, I think that's completely fair. I guess my for, for me, and for, and for me personally, I have football on a higher plane of existence than basketball. Now somebody there could, there are, I think there are, a surprising number of fans because there's a ton of double sweater fans, whether they're, you know, you're Notre Dame football fans, but maybe you're a Duke or IU basketball fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, please change your mind or turn off the podcast. But, um, (laughs) but I just, that's mainly it. There's two different standards there. And Notre Dame basketball has never been a national power in the sense of national championships, but they've been very good. So there's, it's not like we're, talking about you know just making the ncaa tournament is good enough because that's not for you know it's it's advancing in it and and it, mike bray is a big part of bringing that back um and it's just been such a longer time period too than what kelly had and it, it, just comparing the two sports is it's unfair to both kelly and to bray to compare each other in those aspects because of the different standards, different sports, and the length of times that they've been uh, head coaches there. I, I want to say one thing, which is I, I think the one of the, the big differences is that I can foresee that really nobody ever talks about is Mike Bray is extremely likable, likable. Yeah. in a way that Brian Kelly isn't. And I think that I think that people genuinely want him to succeed. And even in tough times, he seems to be. Uh, it can be a ray of sunshine or whatever. And I'm not rooting against Mike Bray by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just wondering if you all are going to feel about the same way if they go 15 and 17 next year or, you know, 14 and 19 or whatever. If this is still going to be like, a, you know, well, sunshine and rainbows. Mike Bray got us, you know, to the promised land, you know, after I don't... A, ba- a bad 2013-14 season so he can do it again. Or if it's just like. You know what? Maybe, you know, whatever 18, 19, 20 seasons is enough and it's time to cut bait. Yeah, and I don't think so. I think if next year, if you see a lot of what you saw this year, uh, you'll see a lot of people like me probably start to really turn then a little bit. But you're absolutely right about the likability factor. And but I think a lot of that has to relates to the different standards as well. It's, sure. There's there's not as much pressure on on Bray and some of the things that he does. If if Kelly would do, he'd get fucking roasted by the fans or, you know, and, and alumni, 
I mean, they would act like that's something that like a Notre Dame coach doesn't do, and Mike Bray sitting there doing it. <laughs> I you mean, know? there's I, a certain I, there's a certain segment of of our Twitter friends that would love to see uh, Brian Kelly without a shirt sure, on with a, oh, yeah. with, a, with a layer on his neck. So don't don't allow <laughs> that you, image but to, can you, uh, to imagine, exist. You know, Kelly. What's great? I guess what's great about this day and age is, you know, we we've been able to see Kelly in the locker room, and after you know big wins like after Michigan State, you know, with the megaphone. Uh, after Stanford with the, um, you know, with the Legends Trophy and subliminal message, rivalry trophies are important. They should be highlighted all the time uh, <laughs> for this reason. Uh, but you know, those were awesome moments of to watch Brian Kelly. It was it was you re- BK BK homeboy, right? For me, for me personally, I really enjoyed watching Brian Kelly celebrating those moments like i felt really good for him and really happy for him that that he was able to to be that loose in those in those situations and to, and to, to feel free that's how you know he caught a lot of shit for 2016 for the way he you know the middle of the season when he started like the sway and all that shit and i think looking back on it now i give him way more credit because he went totally out of his fucking comfort zone and he did kind of make an ass of himself, but he was doing it. He was humbled and was doing it in search of answers. You know, he wasn't just sitting there on his, you know, people say he makes all these excuses for, for shit. He's always blaming people. He was in 2016. He was looking for fucking reasons, looking for ways to turn this thing around, like openly, like doing things that he doesn't normally do to try to make things better, going against the grain of what he knows. So he was trying his ass off. And so to see that, to, to see what that, that's made him as a coach is satisfying to me in the, in the fact that, you know, it has loosened him up some, and he's able to enjoy some of the moments more than he probably would have before. And it's just, it's just fun. I mean, that's just good internet right there, you know? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, but yeah, you know, if you, I, I couldn't. I would like to see. I would like to see the reaction if of a video of you know Kelly walking into the locker room and ripping his shirt off and flexing and just being oh my you know, as, fly, as fly as Bray on that. I would like to see the reaction of that. We we would lose a couple of our our closest uh, best female Twitter users. Assuming. Oh, they 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 die. We'd have to revive them. Their husbands would be in sheer terror. Now, <laughs> but you know, I bet if they walked into the room, they'd be and just saw him like laying there in the living room. Like they'd look at him and be like, Dear God, Kelly took his shirt off. No <laughs> like that's what happened. A lot of a lot of retweets with the words I'm dead in all caps, right? <laughs> Lena <laughs> uh, good times. Oh, okay. So yeah, I guess that's that's all I have on hoops, and I, I, I'm glad that you asked those questions, Jude, because I think that's important to uh, to get across. There is differences in the programs. I'm a huge supporter of Notre Dame basketball. Love Notre Dame basketball. Getting my kids to love Notre Dame basketball, so they're not like part of this crowd that has all these different allegiances. Um, but you know, it, it just it, you have you have to look at it from two different lenses, and I think if you do that. Uh, you can look at this season and and have more hope than fear <laughs> that after the 2016 season for Notre Dame football. Okay, um, moving on to something maybe weirder than Mike Bray walking in uh, to a locker room with his no, with no shirt on. Uh, this whole sc- scandal for the uh, oh the admissions and all that, Jude. I'm gonna let you lead this off and can you. Everybody knows about this, but can you please give a brief summary about what what just went down? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, um, the authorities uh, figured out that people, uh, you know, wealthy, connected people were um, not going through the legal means of bribery, which is that they usually just donate uh, enough enough money to yeah build a new library or whatever. Or, a dining facility or whatever, and they were they were literally paying people to um, take tests on behalf of their children to 
um, say that their children w- should be recruited as athletes for sports that they did not play in high school and were not qualified to play in college. Um, and so it ensnared some um, famous people. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I said to my wife, hey, did you hear about Lori Laughlin? And she said, who's Lori Laughlin? So uh, once you say, well, Aunt Becky from, you know, John Stamos's wife on Full House, then maybe, you know, you got a little bit more of a, a recognition there. But Lori Laughlin uh, is now free after posting one million dollar bond. God, that's uh, crazy. For her, uh, she's been charged with, um, I believe it's a theft of services, or um, uh, I can't remember what the exact charges are. But uh, uh, basically, she and her husband paid five hundred thousand dollars to help get her two daughters into USC. By fraudulently presenting them as crew athletes, even though they had actually never, uh, what is the what is the correct term here? Uh, road. Road. Uh, yeah, Swain. It always reminds <laughs> me of that of the Method Man or Red Band movie, How High, where the okay. guy's like, the guy's like, oh, I'm in sports. Like, oh yeah, what do you got? Crew. Where's your crew at? I'll fuck them up. No one. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, sorry, it's a personal favorite. No worries. Um, so, you know, look, I think we're going to talk about this in a, in a second. This is uh, this is obviously terrible and just another uh, nail into the coffin of the legacy of Lynn Swan as an embattled uh, athletic director at USC. I think everything since his hire in 2016 has pretty much gone sideways. And, um, you know, they were saying you know, just a couple of months ago that they actually wanted to emulate Notre Dame in, in the way that, you know, in terms of the football program. And, uh, you know, the I guess the one so thing weird. out of out of all of this is, um, again, that, you know, that that they that this would be open to the highest bidder, that they would, you know, falsify that they would they would hurt their own um, competitive uh, rowing program to allow this to happen to enrich you know, a couple of people at USC is just, it's mind boggling. Well, and it was just, a, wasn't it a, a water polo coach, like a 16 time national championship water polo coach that was doing it too. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there were like, a, like, a, like a very, like a big time coach in that sport, which, you know, none of us know we don't play water polo right? Um, or follow it, but uh, you know, a 16 time or 17 time national champion, that's kind of, that's a big deal in that world. Yeah, I mean, a, a sailing coach at Stanford, um, you know, a bunch of uh, Ivies were involved. Um, uh, you know, we we mentioned Lori Laughlin, but Felicity Huffman, who's also an actress, uh, was apparently bribing officials and falsifying documents to get her, her kid into or her daughter into a university. So I just. Um, <laughs> and I think. I, 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 there's been a lot of the, the emergency podcasts out. Uh, over this since it's uh, happened, right? But my favorite, and I haven't listened to any of them except for one, and that's our friends over at uh, uh, Shutdown Fullcast, our, our SB Nation overlords. And a couple of the a couple of the points that were that they hit on were the most solid ones, and we've already touched on a little bit. Like these are millionaire problems, where billionaires just buy a couple of fucking buildings and their kids in to wherever, right? Right. So like this is like a lack of fun. This is this would be like the equivalent of like me like like embezzling money from the company I work at to pay for my kid's school, basically. It, it's on that level of because I I'm not a billionaire, I can't do anything I want. So these billionaires, they they don't have billion money. They they're not gonna spend, you know, she's a famous they're famous, but they aren't like belligerently loaded, you know. So they can't afford a brand new hall, but they can afford to bribe, you know, a small time coach. This is, and it's kind of a funny, you know, with these non revenues, it's kind of funny. But yeah, also, I mean, I just, but also I, the thing is too is like, why are they trying, like these kids, if they're not good enough, why are they trying to give them the rope to hang themselves on? Like, like Yale, like that's a fucking tough school. Like, what's the point of spending this money to get them in? When they're going to be out on their ass in a year anyway. Well, I, you know, I just, to be honest with you, these kids to that me, have been, 
that, that, to me, they've been pampered this whole life. Is gonna all of a sudden gonna turn it around? I mean, to me, Yale makes much more sense than USC. I mean, you spent half a million dollars to get you your go to girls USC. into USC. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> but I, did you I, hear I, about the yacht? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So. So when Lori Laughlin, it turned out that, you know, that she was not on the run, although we like to say she was on the run she oh, was outside of Los run. Angeles and, and, the, and the federal authorities uh, went to go grab her and she wasn't where they thought she was going to be. Um, apparently, word got to uh, her daughter, Olivia Jade, who was, I guess, pretty honest about the fact that she never really liked school and never really it, her only reason for going to school was to attend parties and, and sporting events. Um, Olivia was on the yacht very of honest a, a very, USC, very honest yeah, US, USC trustee, board of trustee uh, member. So uh, clearly, uh, you know, and, and the daughter of the trustee and, and Olivia Jade were, were friends or whatever. But, you know, the whole the whole thing is just it, it just it's it, it's terrible. It it speaks to uh, it makes people angry who, you know, may have wanted to get into Georgetown or Yale and. Were denied. Wake Forest and, was involved too. What's that? I think Wake Forest was another school that was involved there. Yeah, I mean, and, good, and just, good law school down there, at Wake Forest. Right. So just you know, to have people take positions that they don't that they don't uh, deserve. I mean, I think Felicity Huffman's daughter, uh, somebody you know, was looking the other way in terms of the proctoring. Was very loose on the the proctoring of the SAT score. All of a sudden, her SAT score went up four hundred points. You know, no, I don't, I don't know. I took the SAT twice. My, my score did not go up 400 points. I mean, I don't know anybody. I didn't know anybody who, who did poorly on the SAT the first time and then like, you know, broke 400 points the next time. I, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty insane. Um, so. Uh, well, just, the, well, now that depends on how hungover you were. <laughs> I took, I took the, I took the ACT like on two hours of sleep and I might've still been drunk and got like a 26 or a 27. And so I took the SAT, uh, maybe it was like a month later on some good sleep. And I had some good sleep the night before and got like a 1380, which is a, a different compare. If you compare the two, the SAT score was, you know, on a higher level than the ACT score. Uh, so I think if I would have took the ACT over again, it would have been a much different score. It was a very difficult test to concentrate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of those moments you, you look at your parents and they're like, oh, and you're thinking, oh, I'm glad because I, <laughs> I can barely fucking get out of that, get out of that room. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> fair. Completely fair. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the things. So there is a way. Yeah. One of the things that, that interests me the most, and, and, and you alluded to it before we, we started talking, this podcast started. Um, I, I think USC struggling is actually bad news for, for Notre Dame. I, I am with everybody else. And, you know, every time a USC player enters the transfer portal tweeting, oh, that's a damn shame, you know, or something terrible happens to USC. Oh, you hate to see it. Um, but at the end of the day, we pay, uh, Notre Dame plays a, a schedule that needs to be rigorous. And if Stanford is bad or USC is bad, and those are games that we commit to, and also, at Navy has a down year, like they've been recent, very recently. Um, that's not good. There's a and, there's and, already there's not already enough nitpicking that goes on about the schedule, you know. And you can say, well, we've we scheduled, you know, our thing with USC has gone back to the to the 1920s, and you know, you, you have to understand the traditions and stuff like that. That doesn't matter. All the playoff committee is going to be looking at who you beat how much you beat them by and what the level of competition is. And if USC is, you know, got, uh, you know, a cloud over its athletics program and that extends to the football program and, you know, they're turning in seven and six or, or, or whatever seasons, uh, that's not good. That's not a positive development for, for Notre Dame. And so, um, you know, while we, we can make fun and have good, have good laughs in the short term and the long term, we want USC to be competitive. Uh, we want Stanford to be competitive, and we want Navy to be competitive, or, you know, frankly, stop playing Navy. Yeah, stop playing Navy would be my suggestion. But um, you know, and I'm glad you touched on both Stanford and Navy there just a little bit too, because even their recent success, no, and no, and this goes against a little bit of what you're saying too as well, because not only does your schedule need to be 
rigorous in a sense of when the when the playoff committee is sitting there looking at it. But there's just this there's a national narrative that goes into these things, whether it's you know the collective conscious or whatever it is that big games matter. Okay, and Notre Dame USC historically has been a big game, right? Where Stanford and Navy, they're not on the same path, on the same level of being able, of consistency over the last 30, 40 years, even, let alone the last 100 years, of where, uh, you know, USC had been sitting at. And now we've had really the end of the Carroll era on has been this very inconsistent, very talented, and very bad USC football program that keeps fucking up in one way or another. And not just them, but the school itself. And so the prestige factor for that game starts going out. Look, Notre Dame is an independent. And to be independent, they are, and to exist in this world, it's a very delicate balance of a lot of different things. And one of them has to do with who you're scheduling and your yearly schedule includes USC. It's something you could always, you know, hang your cap, your cap on is that, you know, you have USC on the schedule, right? Whatever else at least is there. And and a lot of times it's the end of the year. And even this year with winning by a touchdown on the road at USC. And they talked about this in the pot of gold podcast, Tyler James and Eric Hansen. Most years you could be like, that's a good solid win. This year, Notre Dame took a massive ding for it because of how bad USC really is. And we can't let it get there. You know, if this was Michigan burning to the ground, fuck them. Awesome. Burn to the fucking ground and Michigan should just secede to Canada. But this isn't Michigan. This is USC. This is a different story. Notre Dame needs SC. It may be sacrilege to say, but we absolutely need USC for our independent status. And you can go about you can go about knocking that statement down in a variety of different ways. But I'll stand on that hill forever because this is still college football. Rivalries matter. And you know, and even recently it hasn't been that great. I mean, Notre Dame and USC have been ranked in the top 10 uh, and played each other only four times in the last 30 years. They did it in 88, 89. And then they did it again in 05. And it was Charlie Weiss got two fucking top 10 games against USC. So that's it. That's the only four times in the last 30 years Notre Dame and SC have been ranked in the top 10 at the same time. Now, how many times, you know, you, you go back into times before I was born and people will talk about how many national championships and how many, um, Heisman trophies were won on that game. And that even, you know, and that carried over even into, into our lifetime. My, I'm 40 years old. And so my lifetime, even something like Carson Palmer went in the Heisman basically the night that he torched Notre Dame's defense. And it was a horrible defense. Just yeah. like Demarcus Russell became the number one draft pick because he torched a horrible Notre Dame defense. For some reason or another, there is some, you know, some clout there. But the Notre Dame absolutely needs their number one rival the one that we say is our only rival to be a lot better than this <laughs> you can't let sc go down the path of whatever the shit they're doing there because it is a it is a, a university-wide problem this isn't just the football program this is the athletics department this is this is, there's so much going involved and i'm not i don't know all the details for everything there so i'm not going to speak upon them other than the fact of it's been fucked. And there has even been talk about a de-emphasis in sports, which Notre Dame fans uh, are very aware of uh, how that works out uh, for a certain era for Notre Dame. And that's not good. That's not good for Notre Dame at all. Um, so I, I hope in some way, shape, or form this works out for USC a little better. Uh, but there's no way to tell. Now, I mean, how much this affects the actual results on the football field is hard to say, but like for the upcoming season, even. Well, there's just, there's just, there's just a string of things that are going along with this program where it, 
nothing is working right. Like you said, Lynn Swan is a even Pat Hayden. None, neither of those two men had any business being athletic directors, and until they lock that up and their president situation there as well, they're gonna, probably going to be in a world of hurt. They're going to get talent. It, it's SC, okay? They're they're going to get talent, and they're going to have they're going to win some recruits, and they're going to have these hyped up guys. But it's never going to come together uh, without a total program wide, university wide, riding of the ship. And like I said, Notre Dame absolutely needs that ship to be righted for a better future for ourselves. I mean, we need we need a, a number two versus number six game you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely absolutely all right <laughs> get your shit together trojans God, <laughs> you know i never in a million years dude would you ever have, just think back you know back to the carol era would you ever have thought they would have barreled out like this like the, the way they have like brian kelly got such a pass compared to Weiss for the teams he's had to face. I know. I know. know, And and you think of all the great talent that's gone through USC and and now recently how much, uh, like, just just amazing on paper talent has just been squandered. And it just, you know, it feels like, I I don't know. I I just, I can't imagine Lynn Swan survives uh, too much longer. And I think Clay Helton will probably be right behind him. Come on, guys. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, just some other tidbit. Uh, there was an over-under put out there uh, for Notre Dame football, and I, I believe, Jude, am I right with saying it was nine and a half? Nine and a half, yep. Okay, so let's talk about it. Nine and a half games. I mean, it's a great number, right? We can agree that nine and a half is the number. If you were, if you were trying to get action on both sides of the line, nine and a half is exactly where you put that line, I think. Yeah, I think with I think with most teams outside of Bama and Clemson, I think a nine and a half for teams like we're say you're ranking them three to fifteen. I think nine and a half is a solid number if right. you're Vegas. Yeah. So the question I think the question comes down to it's not you know are they going to beat New Mexico or are they going to beat Bowling Green or whatever. It's you know you can get them pretty easily on this schedule to nine wins. Can you get them to ten wins? And so you know Georgia and Michigan, and then. You know, it's not for nothing, but Stanford, you haven't beaten Stanford at the end of the year. Since, since 07. What, 07, yeah. The David Grimes w- caught a touchdown pass. It didn't count. And uh, that team was absolute garbage. Um, but that but, team still beat a very good SC team that year. That, that 07 Stanford squad. Yeah, crazy, right? If that's so, the right year, I'm thinking of. Um, so, you know, is there going to be a game on the schedule that trips them up? Is I mean I don't think Louisville's coming to play, but is it Virginia Tech or? I think you're, and you already passed chronologically here. You've already passed over Virginia. Yeah, who was a who was a solid team last year. Return a ton this year. Um, and Bronco Mendenhall is a is a solid football coach. That's going to be a a tough game. I, I firmly believe Virginia uh, is going to play Notre Dame extremely well and hard. That game, I, that's one game I have circled that most people aren't talking about because it's, it's not a sexy game. Um, but uh, I think Virginia uh, is definitely a game to circle. You know, Virginia, even Southern Cal, who we just spent the last 15 minutes trashing, still has enough talent to do it. Michigan, obviously, on the road. Virginia Tech, um, I, you know, so you, you probably got about Stanford. You're five, outside of Georgia. So there's six games I think that you could say are – are pretty much penciled in as absolute wins and maybe six games, maybe four games that are 80, you know, 80, 20, 70, 30, I don't know. And then there's two toss ups, right? Right. See, I, I, you know, if I, if you gave me a thousand dollars and said you had to bet one side of this line, I would take the under and he, and here's why I think that there's more of an opportunity for things to go wrong than there are for things to, to go right. And, you know, you can never predict injuries. And I think that, you know, Notre Dame um, has really, you know, they had catastrophic injuries in 2015 and, um, and and they really, I think, largely avoided. I mean, we learned about some things afterwards, but they largely avoided the injury bug in 2018. 
And so I think that that kind of stuff, you know, obviously helps. So, um, you know, you can credit Matt Bayless and the, the conditioning program, or you can, you can credit, uh, the new nutrition guidelines or, you know, whatever you want to do. But, um, I just, this is a, this is a tough schedule. There's, there's two very tough opponents. And there's, like you said, you know, two probably, um, you know, scare games on here besides those two tough opponents. So I I think you give me money and you say, you got to bet one side of the line. I take the under, um, I'm not feeling great about it, but at the same time, um, you know, uh, I think that's just, I think that's, I, I feel much more confident that a nine and three finish is going to happen than I do, than a 10 and two or better. So, right. and I, look, I feel good, you know, about even getting this line. I, I think a lot of, a lot of years, the line set around eight and a half and eight and a half or nine. And this feels like a bump up. Um, I don't know, Jude, am I wrong in saying that? No, absolutely. This is exactly you exactly where yeah. you want to be. You want you want Vegas deciding whether or not you could yeah. you could possibly win uh, ten games or better. You know, yeah, and be- then be part of the and, and and you know, as they say on other podcasts, you want to be part of the conversation come that first week they release the college football playoff uh, rankings. That's at least get that far. Absolutely. Know? And the <laughs> wheels absolutely came off in 2014 after that, and that's not <laughs> how anybody wants to end it. Um, but at least get yourself into the conversation. And look, let's not kid ourselves either, all right? Ten wins would be a huge, you know, badge of honor for this program. And I, I you know, I know it's national title or bust, and, I, you know, I'm not disputing that fact. But three years in a row of double-digit wins, you know, that hasn't happened at Notre Dame in a long time. I mean, it took a long time to get two seasons in a row of double-digit wins, let alone having three. and. For anyone that would want to shoot that down, would quickly dismiss it as, you know, not good enough. Well, it shows a trajectory that is we haven't seen in a long time. Okay, so the, the possibility is still there, and I, I just I just think when we're talking about number of wins for a season in March, <clears throat> we need to keep the full picture in scope. Okay, this isn't October. Um, this this is March. And I think we need to we need to fully understand that that, you know, winning 10 games, 12 games and let's just say 10 or 11 games, you know, in those three years in a row, that's a huge deal. You know, am I I do you think I'm being think I'm being a little too rosy saying that? No, I mean, look, it, it all depends on what your expectations are for the for the football program. Right. And I think uh, another 10 plus win season should be considered a, a very positive development. I know that there are some commenters on our site that would say that we're settling and that basically we have to get back to, um, you know, the Alabamas and Clemsons and Ohio States of the world. But, you know, it's been a very long time since we were at the, the top and a lot has changed about college football. Yeah, I would um, say, I'm, and, I, and I would always dispute that. I, I never believe that I'm settling for that at all. But there's a difference between being proud about something and, you know, having some happiness towards, I mean, this is fucking, this is college football. You know, this is supposed to be for fun guys. (laughs) I mean, well, if you you can't, if you can't be happy about, about this, then get the shit out. And I'm not trying to put anyone down and I'm not apologizing for, you know, for Brian Kelly, for being coach Ocho Cinco for, for many years. I'm just saying, that that a double digit win season is a positive. You go to any other fan base in the country and tell them you have three years, even, I mean, even talking Alabama, even you tell them you have three years of double digit wins and they'll say that it was a good run, regardless of title. They're not saying that, we're not sitting here saying it's great. And that's our goal. I'm just saying, I'm not going to break out the pitchforks and go melt down the fucking dome, you know, to sell, to pay for my kids way for me to bribe them to get in the USC, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and I, as I always kind of cheekily tell people, if, if all you care about is winning championships, then Alabama needs another fan. You know what I mean? Like Alabama could always use more fans. Like, um, you know, I, I, there's, there's different, there's different things. And I, I don't consider it, you know, different barometers. And I don't consider it settling uh, to be happy about a 10 and two season with a, with a bowl win, you know? So, um, 
you know, look, there's there's room for disappointment. You know, certainly nobody was looking to go back to eight and five or certainly not four and eight. Uh, I don't Ooh. think they can survive that again. But no, uh, I can survive being <laughs> running you know, a website. Right, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's and, it's you know, like you said, it's it's supposed to be fun. It's you know, and and you know, while we we talk about living and dying with the team, we really shouldn't live and die with the team. And I, and I learned that I think along with a lot of people, I I think I learned that the hard way in 2011. You know, I I think that Michigan game Not 2007. Uh, no, I think 2011 it kind of broke me spiritually after the USF game. And then the way the Michigan game ended and to lose to Michigan of all, you know, all teams or whatever in that way, I, I just, I realized at that point that I was predicating too much of my happiness on whether the, a bunch of 18 and 22 year olds played a, a, a silly sport for my entertainment the right way, you know? And I, and I just try to remind people that I'm, I'm as passionate as anybody else. And you'll see me all day, every day tweeting about Notre Dame football, probably to the disgust of some people who follow me. Um, but you know, at the same time, let's keep, let's keep perspective here. And I, and I think that, um, you know, I think that we can have legitimate expectations and we can be disappointed in an eight and five season, but I think we should, on the other side of that spectrum, um, if the team goes 10 and two and loses to Georgia and Michigan, um, yeah. Are you bummed? Of course you're bummed. Um, but are you going to let it, um, you know, call for firing, uh, Brian Kelly, because he could never get us there. I mean, to me, that's too far. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. And look, when you talk about passionate fans, like I'm a guy who has, it might have been that 2011 game, and I believe it was, where I literally took a fucking axe to my barn, my concrete barn floor, and scattered the, my, the entire party I had here uh, as I'm just chopping concrete with an axe in a fit of rage over Armando Allen uh, being inbounds and scoring that fucking touchdown. I, no one who would, no one who knows me would ever say that I was dispassionate about this team. Uh, (laughs) I've been writing about them and I did it mostly for free for about a decade. Uh, I've been doing this for about 12 years, 12, 13 years now, whatever it is. Look, I'm, I wanted to literally, beat the shit out of a Notre Dame student because after we lost the Navy in 2007, as I'm walking out of the stadium, I heard them say, at least it was competitive. Mm. And my wife, I said, motherfucker under my breath. And my wife literally grabbed my arm because I, it felt like I was like the moment I was going to step over the line of like, you're not really being an adult here, Josh, because it was just such a stupid statement to say. And I just, I had reached the the breaking point of, of that kind of complacency. So no, I am not the guy that's just like, oh, well. But I'm also not the guy who's talking about only Notre Dame football, and if they don't win, I'm not going to pay attention to them. I'm a college football fan, sure, first and foremost. And a Notre Dame fan, I guess second, and I, don't, I consider that to be a badge of honor more than if anyone wants to trash it, because it's a great sport. This is a totally stupid sport with all sorts of weird and crazy shit. That's what makes it so awesome. But, you know, just because there's some loss, I'm not turning away. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back out and quit paying attention or, you know, call me ride or die or whatever it is. That's where I'm at. And this, so that's the person who's saying 10 wins this year. You know, I'm okay with it. I'm good. I'm not like I'm not over the moon. I'm not out there popping bottles, but I'm okay. You know, give me ten wins and and that's a solid season. That's something that that I can I can work with. And and allow yourself to be legitimately excited if they beat Georgia. Uh, you yeah. know, even if even if it means that later down the the line they lose to a team that you didn't expect them to lose to. But if they if they beat Georgia or, or Michigan, like celebrate that, don't say, well, what's coming next or how am I going to get screwed out of this? Or here's a life going to come apart. You know, here's a life lesson for everybody to listen to. Okay. And this is, I swear to Christ, this, this relates to Notre Dame football. So just 
Is this about Bear your high school me. team again? It is, is absolutely you? not about my high school <laughs> team. Okay? okay, continue. But it is about high school me a little bit because it's about <laughs> it's about me growing up from a fucking baby to this fat, hairy American winning machine. <laughs> I have always been. You'll never believe this, but I've always been very reserved in my life about a lot of things. I never i I rarely let myself get too excited about things, like to the point where I, you know, you're like playing it cool, or I was playing it cool because to play it cool. You know, like if something totally fucking awesome happened to me, I just feel I I wouldn't want someone to think that I was. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I really don't know how to describe it. I just, I've always tried to, you know, to play it cool. Not like to be a douchebag cool guy, but I just always played it off like it wasn't like, it's hard to explain. Not a big deal. You know, just kind of like, you know, cool. You know, I never want to come off as some, some kind of over happy zealot. And being a parent, and, and before I move on, that was wrong of me to do that to myself. You know, especially as a kid, you know, like birthday presents, Christmas presents. I never like went over the moon, like celebrate, like, oh, awesome. I was never that guy, which is weird because I am like the biggest all caps emote person you'll fucking find. But maybe I'm like refining myself and from my 30s on. But, but, uh, you know, and I've caught myself like, like, like trying to tamper my kids down. When they get super excited about something, you know, trying to like, like my son, like he gets super excited and he's being loud or like being really excited about something. Like I, I, I remember when I did this once, I tried to like, dude, calm down. And I stopped and I was like, what the fuck am I telling him? Calm down for he's a kid. Be happy. Be excited. I think and that's so that's what I'm trying to tell all of y'all that be fucking happy. Be excited about something. Otherwise, there's no point. What's the point of always coming to something to feel fucking anger and despair? What's the point in feeling that? You know, and it was something cool happens. Don't blow it off as if it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. You know, beating like LSU in the Citrus, Citrus Bowl. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. Beating Michigan last year. That was awesome. Don't let yourself or anybody else knock down your excitement over a win. Because it wasn't a national championship that day, is I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. If you want to be excited about something, be excited about something. This world could probably use more people excited about things and more people being cynical about things. Anyways, so that's, yeah, I mean, even even in my pessimism, even even though you give me the thousand dollars, I'm taking the under. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm incredibly optimistic about you know, especially some of these uh, position groups like. Because uh, what's the point? End, not, what's, what's the point line. not to be Jude, right? What's that? Like, what, what's the point of a fan to, like to go into a season being like totally like we're gonna fucking blow? This is gonna suck. <laughs> like, what is the point of that? I mean, I don't mind crashing I, down to earth. I, I mean, mean I, I, I guess guys, I can take it. I guess. Right. I don't. I, I mean, guess I, I don't mind crashing down to earth, but I want to be up. I want to be up in the sky first. I don't want to always be on the damn ground. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you set expectations low, then you can only go up, right? And I guess maybe some people look at it that way. Um, I just, I, I don't live, I, I just can't live my life that way. I just, that's not how I, that's just not my mindset. So, um, you I know, like I, I get it. I sort of get it, but I don't get it. What's that? I think that we've evolved into a self-help podcast tonight. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm literally we went, looking We like, went from spicy to self-help. And so I got some, you need some oils. What you, let's, let's change your life. Let's get rid of your clutter. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, quit being fucking so stank about it, about stuff. Be excited. Well, yeah, shit let's... sucks. Sucks. That's fine. Say it sucks. It fucking blows. But I don't know, man. Just allow yourself be a little more vulnerable in your excitement. Because it, it doesn't matter. Especially to it. If it's an internet persona, you know, what I mean, <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, my God. Have some fun, people. Yeah. All right. So. All right. So spring football's here, right? Yeah. Yes, oh, here. 
just to close this out real quick, oh, Ar- ahead, Armando Allen did not step out of bounds in 2009, not 2011. So that I just wanted to, to clean that up. So oh, that was, was a, yeah, it was 2009. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Anyways, spring football is here. <laughs> it is. I keep getting game, especially the Michigan game. I keep getting years more than any other game. Although I did it with USC today, I keep getting these years mumble jumbled. So I know that my time is coming to an end here. Very soon. I don't know how the Albino Cook did it. Yeah, spring football. Woohoo. But no, it, it's, it's, uh, here's your time. And I still haven't, I have not seen the annual Spring Hopes Eternal headline that everybody uses. Uh, so maybe that's a sign. I'm not sure that everyone stopped using that. So, <laughs> so if you're looking for something good, that's a good thing. Um, but uh, so but the media got to talk to the coordinators the other day. Jude, uh, you get you get a good listen on um, on Chip Long and uh, Clark Lee. Yeah, I'm still uh, I still don't. I, I mean, just to nitpick the first point of the first question that came out of the Chip Long uh, press conference. I still don't believe for a second that Chip Long just went down to Alabama to talk football for two hours with Nick Saban because. You know, there, there's some sort of mutual admiration society going on there. With the greatest uh, coach in college football history, more he will go down as that, whether you want yes. to believe that or not. And that's that's up to you. I don't necessarily believe it myself either, but that's the way that Saban will go down because of all his titles. Look, I, I don't think it matters, right? Which is that, like, I think that if Chip Long gets the right offer, he will he will go. And you know, it's it's just our hope that it, we have him for uh, you know another year. So. Um, if, if there's a, an attractive offer that makes sense for his family, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't find the idea that he has some sort of lifetime loyalty to, to Notre Dame or to Brian Kelly or, or however you want to, you want to look at it. So, um, I don't mind, I don't mind him, uh, looking around and talking to Alabama. Uh, it didn't, I guess it wasn't whatever was or was not offered. But you're more took the, back by, by the, by the blowing off of the. Of the whole situation, right? Well, I, I think that's what you got to do, right? Which is it? Well, I mean, I, your... I, I definitely think Chip Long, Chip Long, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, even Nick Saban to a degree, they all—that's absolutely what they have to do, right? But as far as fans and media, can, I mean, don't don't you have to look at this a little more critically? Can uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah, I think I think that you just can't swallow the narrative that Chip Long wants you t- to swallow, which is that. You know, he just went down for some good barbecue and to see some family and and, you know, and, and you just, ha- you know, Nick Saban called him out of the blue and just said, hey, let's talk football for two hours. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, look, but at the very it, least, it, it's a setup for the future. Right. But I mean, five more years, do you really think Chip Long is going to be the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame? I do not. In two no. years, let yeah. alone, you know what I mean? Right. So there should this all this is like. <laughs> This is like setting up for like when the aliens take over the planet. You get introduced to all these little things that make you more and more used to it, and uh, then it happens. This is how that is. It's basically the aliens taking over this entire planet. It's Chip Long leaving to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you, you just hope that the next movement is what 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 fans would see as upward mobility, right? And so it's not. Uh, office. You don't want to. Be, you want to be left coordinator in, at Wake Forest, you know, or in Alabama, or or in Alabama. Even I, I think right. a lot of fans would feel offended by that. Yeah, I mean, I, look with his Alabama roots, I, I think it would sort of make sense if it was, you know, maybe a co-assistant coach or I don't know, you know, some sort of fancy title attached with it or something like that. Uh, they could probably justify it and make make sense or whatever, but. If it's to go coach Bowling Green, I, I don't know. I mean, it just it doesn't seem like it's a it's a like it's a great idea. So, right. and I gotta say, I mean, and I think we're gonna just we're gonna wrap tonight up here very real quickly here. But um, I think Chip Long, I, I really enjoyed his press conference because he was very blunt in his assessment of players and the situation. Um, I liked how he said that we just weren't explosive. Um, you know, we had two plays over 50 yards uh, this, you know, this last year in 2017. They were averaging that a season, is what he said. Uh, you know, and to to the laughter the of, game, yeah, yeah, to the laughter really. of many in the in the, uh, it, you know, in attendance. But it, 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 there's so much truth to that joke, you know, or 
absolutely right. The, the offense t- did lack a lot of explosiveness that it had the year year before, and just the reactions from Notre Dame fans from like you know when, when I posted that story about about that exactly, uh, people are like, well, no shit. Well, you know, acting like you know he knows what's needed. You know, when that's one of the first things he talks about, he knows the importance of it. So you can bet your ass that that's what's going to be worked on. Whether or not we actually have the right material to to get closer to that realm is a different story. Like 50 yards is a, is a huge fucking number anyways, right? Right. Sure. And that's a huge play. And we did have a lot of them in 2017. 2018, we didn't. And when you lose explosive players like a Dexter Williams – your chances of these big explosive plays diminishes greatly. Um, but there are and when ways... you lose Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, your chances yeah. of explosive plays diminish greatly. Yeah, you know? there so. are holes the size of Guatemala. So, right. you know, I enjoyed it. I thought Clark Lees was, was com- it was comical to me because it was typical because he is such a grounded, very cerebral. Cerebral, very, yeah. I mean, very... I that's the word everybody uses, but it's, 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 an, it's an apt description. Yeah, it yeah, it's it's a cliche to say, but it's absolutely describes who Clark Lee is. And I liked his approach talking about not looking at I don't want to see a depth chart, I will look at it. And I I don't buy it with some people. I think I actually buy it with Clark Lee. I think the way he diagnoses and analyzes things, I think a depth chart would be detrimental to what he's trying to do. And so I totally believe him in this case when he doesn't have one. You know what I mean? I think some coaches are full of, I won't even say full of shit. They're just, they're telling the media something they just want the me what they want the media to know. Right. You know, something they don't want to get out. And, but I think with Lee, I think this is, this isn't lip service at all. And I think that's a great thing for a play for Notre Dame because look, and, and I like the personalities. You know, I like the defense, you know, people talk about defensive coordinators being crazy and, you know, I mean, we could always do this new to jokes all day long. But I like the defensive coordinator being grounded like this. And I like our offensive coordinator being, it's kind of sounded like a bit of a gamble. You know, Chip Long sounds kind of like a, you know, he's going to double down, you know, with just a, you know, a pair of sixes. And, and I like the, the, the moment of introspection where he, he, you know, he said, look, um, you know, we could have done, we could have done, I could have called a better game against Clemson, a more, a more run heavy game. Um, you know, and set and set Ian up a little bit better in terms of giving him a little bit more success on on you know third down or whatever. I'm not, I'm not sure that would have worked, um, but I think that you know he's responding to some of the criticism that his offense lacked a little bit of uh, zip, you know, a little bit of a like a, a little bit of a insanity. I, you know, I think we all expected to see something uh, in Clemson during the Clemson game, and and that and really it felt like a lot of other game plans. It didn't feel like it had been worked on for a month. So um, I'm hoping that he takes that con- uh, criticism and, and uses it as a launching point so that he's, you know, he's varying it up right. to the point where, and, and again, you know, the, the, the talk of, you know, we've got to get Ian book out of his comfort zone and get him throwing things that I would have yelled at him last year for throwing, but I want to see if he can do it. Right. And so we're going to spend all of spring practice you know, trying to trying to fit balls into tight windows and seeing you know seeing how seeing how he reacts to that. You know, see, and I I love the way he didn't throw the offensive line under the bus for shitting their pants against Clemson either. Sure, the, re- the real reason why the Clemson game plan didn't look like anything you know looked they looked like they hadn't worked on it all. all what, up to the was game the was Clemson defensive the, line? <laughs> yeah, because our offensive line just got. What the hell can you do when your offensive line is completely Manhandled. I mean, they were just completely overwhelmed. Whether it was, look, it was like Carson's Clemson has great players, you know, along that defensive front. Even with with um, with uh, Lawrence out, you know, you still had, you know, Clone whatever they had. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, they're yeah. solid up front, and they just whooped them. Even you know, even if it was, even if it's a fair, it's just one of those. It was one of those games where the defensive line whooped them across the front, and. There's not a whole lot you can do. That's why that shit's so important. That's why Notre Dame, histor- you know, the last 20, 30 years, these teams that have, that have you know, taken us to the woodshed have generally had good, great defensive lines, right? Because sure. they, Because that's what happens. That's why you want a great defensive line. So it was hard for them to operate under those conditions. 
And I really appreciate Chip not even saying anything about it. You know, he he did a great job of deflecting it onto him. I mean, no one was no one was going to buy it. What does it matter now, anyways? You know, but I think some guys would have brought it up just for it to be a thought in someone's head, like you know, like this. You know, it's not all my fault. It wasn't all my. He just you know like yeah you know we got to do a better job. Blah 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 blah. Talking about himself, and that I think you can appreciate, and I think that's a good reason to be hopeful that the work during this offseason um, is going to be big. And I think in saying that too as well, I think all eyes on Jeff Quinn right now um, to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. So, but you're returning so much along the offensive line, and I think the stuff they did with Patterson was pretty, is pretty interesting. So maybe it won't. Cool. <laughs> so I think that's all we're going to go through tonight. That was, uh, uh, that's, that's a pretty chunky, chunky podcast there for, for about an hour. That's not bad. We we just said, you know what? Screw this. We're just going to have our podcast be over. We're going to try to keep it to an hour. And I said, fuck it, man. We're just going to go whatever the conversation takes us. If it's an hour and 20 hour, 40 minutes. So fucking be it. And look at us. We're at an hour right now. So we're going to, we're going to close this out uh, the way we've been doing it with, uh, with, a, with sounding off. So, Jude, what do you got to uh, sound off about tonight? I, I got two quick things, and, and people stick with me because I'll, I'll make the lacrosse thing very quick. The women's lacrosse uh, won their seventh consecutive game. They started the season 7-0. and uh, They're climbing up the standings. On Saturday, they, they placed the number five team uh, in the nation, Virginia, um, at Virginia. So that should be pretty – that should be the real first test. And uh, I think USC should uh, should welcome back Reggie Bush with open arms. I mean, uh, what he did was not right, but uh, you know, in the scheme of things, uh, from you know, since what's happened since 2005, I, I think his thing is uh, small potatoes. So um, you know, it's time to it's time to bring uh, Reggie Bush back into the fold. If you if you're USC, you really cannot get any much worse than this. Bravo. And uh, what I got to close out tonight is listen. It's still off. It's still postseason action, even though Notre Dame basketball lost tonight and they're done for the year. Women's basketball, they're going to be most likely number one seed in Chicago, which is great. Uh, but right now, Notre Dame hockey is in the, the middle of the Big Ten tournament. They host Minnesota this weekend. And Notre Dame is ranked 15 in pairwise. And they look, they need a big run in this tournament, if not need to win it all to make the uh, NCAA tournament, to try to get another uh, fro- yeah, frozen four run. And so, Pay attention. Get on Twitter. Join the conversation. Uh, you know, watch the games. I know the Big Ten Network stuff. That Big Ten Network Plus is a joke. Uh, <laughs> it's bane of my existence. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's horrible. But do whatever you can to watch these guys. Um, I, I used to be a big hockey fan uh, when I lived in Michigan. I was I'm a big I was a big Red Wings fan um, prior to living in Michigan, but but really developed then. And this kind of fell away from the NHL game after, after the strike. And the college game has really brought me back into remembering well, how much, why I loved watching hockey my whole life. Uh, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this is a lot different season than last year. Um, but if we learned anything, last year we lost to Minnesota Duluth in the championship game. And the only reason they were even in the NCAA tournament was from a late season win by Notre Dame over another team. To help put them in through pairwise. So listen, anything can still happen. Um, and it's, it's do or die, ride or die time. Uh, so support Notre Dame hockey. And I, I do have one final thing I'm going to squeeze in real quick, only because you said Reggie Bush. And that is we need to get a GoFundMe, a fucking petition, or whatever we can think of, and get Brady Quinn on NBC. Hey, amen. I, I know I, when I do these Clawson Quinn battles, it comes off as me being anti Brady Quinn, and that couldn't be further from the fucking truth. I love the kid. Oh, and Ohio forever, right? Kids from Dublin. And if you ever heard me say anything, I'm all about Ohio. Look, I love Brady Quinn. So that those have those little battles have nothing to do with it. And on top of that, all he is a fantastic college football analyst. He really knows what he's doing. He's very professional. And this isn't just Notre Dame fans saying this. This is. People from all fanhoods have said, have talked about Brady Quinn being a up and coming college football analyst. He's really doing a good job. So now he is sitting there 
with fucking Rob Stone, whatever, Urban Meyer, Matt Leiner, and Reggie Bush. Help this man. If you truly love Brady Quinn, if you extricate him from this situation, appreciate what he did for this university for four years with a coaching change from Willingham to Weiss and everything that Brady Quinn represents and the fact that you think he's so much better than Jimmy Clausen, we need to all band together and get his ass to NBC and kick Doug Flutie's ass back the fuck to Massachusetts and end this nightmare that we have been forced to watch. We promise spicy. Here it is. That's it. Because my kids are up at 1140 at night. (laughs) (laughs) I get a text from the wife. I just looked. It was a half hour ago. Oops. So so my spiciness went out the window because I got to bow down to uh, the Empress. Uh, So anyways, so that's it. So let's get Brady Quinn in that booth. Make it loud, noticeable. They'll never do it. This will be the hill we all die on. This is the this is it right here. This this, so. this this is our listen. I'll get a flag, all right. I'll plant that flag, and I'll be proud to lay in the ground with you with that flag flying for Brady Quinn. Hashtag Ohio forever. So go Irish for Jude and I. Have, have a great night. Go Irish. <laughs>